Hi guys, and welcome to episode 66 of the Optical View podcast. Today I have on Jeff Liang. Hopefully I didn't mispronounce that. Sorry for you, Jeff. I tried my best. He is the co-owner of Go Float Burlington. Now we dive into absolutely just about everything you can even think of. Um, topics that are, are health related, are meditation related, everything you need to know about floating. Uh, I'm super excited to actually go and check it out and get my first float there as well. I've never been in a float tank, so I'm super excited for that. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and I'll see you guys in the next one. I want to give a huge shout out to my sponsor, the one and only known across Canada and across Ontario, Tim Hortons, always fresh, always Tim Hortons. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of the Optical View podcast. Uh, it's kind of different style today. I'm super excited for this one. We have uh, a co-owner here of Go Float Studios in Burlington. Um, how's it going, Jeff? I'm good. How are you, Dylan? I'm great. Now, before we get into some of the juicy stuff and, and kind of dive a bit on the business stuff, I have some quick rapid-fire questions just so that people get to know you a little bit. You can answer either personally or as a whole company, whatever you choose. Sure. Favorite genre of music? Oh, I like uh, metal and jazz. Wow, very contrast there. <laughs> what is uh, your favorite thing about yourself? Um, that I never give up. Love it. What do you think is the best gift that you've ever received? Oh, um, my family and friends. I'm going to flip that around. What do you think is the best gift that you ever gave? Uh, my time and energy. Yes. Beautiful. Do you have a favorite quote? If you do, what is it? Oh, that's a tough one too. Um, geez. Um, I would say. Let me, let me think about this for a second. My favorite yeah. quote. Um, Be water. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If a movie ever gets made about you, who would you want to play you in the movie? <laughs> um, Jackie Chan. Beautiful. <laughs> um, last one here. Do you have any tattoos? If you do, what's your favorite? If you don't, would you ever consider getting one? If so, of what? I do not have any tattoos. Uh, if I did get one. I have considered getting something related to uh, my passions in life uh, and somehow combining them together, like something to do with floating, something to do maybe with music, something to do maybe with martial arts, maybe combining all three of those things together, something along those lines. Beautiful. Next segment here, this or that, two options, you got to pick one. Hot or sorry, yeah, hot or cold weather. 
Uh, let's go with cold. Audiobook or podcast? Podcast. Cats or dogs? Oh, um, dogs. Hot bath or ice cold shower? Hot bath. Morning or night person? Night person. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Tacos or burgers? Ooh. Um, I gotta go with burgers, I think. Okay, okay. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Soup or salad? Soup. Introverted or extroverted? Introverted. My favorite one here, pizza or pasta? Ooh, that's a tough one, too. Uh, I gotta go with pasta. Aha, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone always picks pizza. Whenever somebody says pasta, you're team pasta with me now. So that's it. Really? Most people pick pizza. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's that's uh, well over 75%. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into it here. Uh, Jeff, who are you? What do you do? Uh, so... My name is Jeff Liang, and I run GoFloat Studios, which is a float tank center, also known as sensory deprivation tanks, sensory deprivation therapy, float therapy, rest therapy. There's a lot of different names for it, um, but I have been running this business since about 2018, and yeah, it's something that I've been interested in for a big part of my life. Um, but I never actually had the chance to get involved with floating or the industry in general until um, much later in my life uh, because it just wasn't very accessible back in the days when I first heard about it on the Joe Rogan podcast, which was kind of a huge inspiration for a lot of choices in my life, actually. Um, and so I kind of make the joke sometimes that I'm basically a, a miniature Chinese knockoff of Joe Rogan. <laughs> I look, do you have your own podcast sorry do you have your own podcast no i don't no not yet <laughs> not yet that's the right answer well tell me about the first time that you actually had a float yourself and, and what was that like and and you know was it what you thought it was yeah so i'll go back to when i first heard about floating which was way back in high school and that's when I started listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. And that was the early days when he would talk about he had one in his own home and how it was such a uh, great thing for his physical and his mental health and being able to kind of disconnect from the world and get a little bit more in touch with his own consciousness um, and a lot more introspective about the things he wanted to, you know, think about in his life and have some space from the external world, essentially. And that's kind of what really drew me to floating was this whole idea of um, being able to have nothing else coming into my mind or my awareness as a person um, and just being completely alone with myself and my thoughts and being able to um, really 
get deeper into, you know, what is it that like I know about myself. And I didn't get to try my first float around uh, until around 2016 or so, 2015 maybe. And that was when I was well into my years of university. And back then there were not a lot of float centers around. So I had to go all the way to uh, this place in Thornhill. And I remember pulling up to the address and it was just like some person's house. And I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. Yeah. And then I knock on the door and this lady opens up and I was like, is this the float place? And she's like, yeah, come on in. And she's got her whole family inside. I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. And she's like, yeah, just head on down to the basement. I'll be with you in a second. I'm like, okay, this is the start of a horror movie where I get murdered. <laughs> and I go downstairs and her whole basement was basically turned into a wellness center of like, she had sauna, she offered massages and she had one float tank in there as well. And it was a very old style of float tank. And that was my first experience. And it probably took me like, it was an hour long float and it took me like 45 minutes before I could truly settle my mind and basically lose my sense of self-awareness. But that last 15 minutes was probably some of the most blissful time that I've ever experienced in my life. And when I came out, I was just like, okay, this is incredible. This is uh, much more than I thought. It wasn't just for, you know, introspection and a lot of like self-reflection inside the tank, but it was also a way to kind of like truly be present in the moment and let go of all my thoughts and be in a complete flow state while doing absolutely nothing. And it was some of the most restful time I've ever felt. It was the first time in my life where I felt like I could actually um, get in touch with what I want and think about, am I on a path of my life that is aligned with who I am and what I want? Because up until that point, I felt like my entire life was a series of decisions that were influenced by uh, society, by my parents, by friends and family, by external sources. And not that I was unhappy with my life, but I would say that I was kind of running on the momentum of what everyone else had expectations for. Yeah. And so that was kind of the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to self-assess whether everything I'm doing right now, like being in school, working a job, all that kind of stuff. Like, is this the path that I want or am I just trying to satisfy everyone else's expectation of me? And that was a really kind of um, opening question for myself in terms of where I want to take the direction of my life into. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what set me down on this path of exploring floating more and more. Um, and ever since that first float, you know, other float centers started popping up. And I thought to myself, okay, this is something that's definitely gaining a little bit of traction. Um, and I saw float centers popping up in, you know, Toronto and other parts of Ontario. And I started going to those places and checking them out. And again, having very similar experiences of um, not just like mental relaxation, physical relaxation, but 
also a lot of time to really spend time with myself because I feel like every day in our lives, you know, doesn't matter what you're doing, you're constantly having your attention taken away by something else. You know, whether you're at school, you're at a job, even if you're on vacation or media, just playing around on your phone, that's all stuff that's taking your attention elsewhere. It's telling you, hey, you need to focus on this right now. And floating was kind of the one place where I could say, okay, there is nothing else influencing the way I think right now. Everything is my own thought process. Everything is my own kind of like um, doing in a sense. Does this make sense at all? I know I sound kind of crazy. No, I mean, the words that you're saying make sense. Now, I, I should give you a disclaimer. I've never done a float session myself, so I won't be able to understand the experience that you're having because I've never had that personally. But the mm -hmm. word that you're saying, I fully understand. Have you done any meditation in your life? I have. Yeah, that was actually a question I wanted to bring up. It seems like what you're talking about, it's very almost in tune to a meditation state. Yes. Do you find? So, yeah, it's, um, it's, so first thing I'll say is a lot of people describe floating as training wheels for meditation. Mm. So a lot of people have a hard time meditating. Like, I don't know how you meditate. Like, do you sit down? Are you standing? Are you lying down? Like, how do you meditate? So I've done a couple different ways. The way that I find best is right after a hard, vigorous workout. If I can find a nice, quiet place, sometimes I have to use earplugs if I'm still at the gym or whatever it is. And uh, it's not like a weightlifting gym. It's usually Marshall or it's gym myself. And, and I'll just go and I'll sit almost like crisscross applesauce. And uh, I'll set a timer for, you know, whatever the time I need to leave at. So sometimes it's 25, sometimes it's, it's longer. And I just try and constantly think about nothing. And it's, it's fighting that urge of all the thoughts that come in my mind. And sometimes, most of the time, to be honest, it's very tough for me to get in that almost like the flow state that you described. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple things here, right? So um, this flow state we're talking about, uh, a lot of the float industry, we used to describe it as uh, the theta brainwave state. So right now, as we're talking, being in a wakeful state of mind, we're kind of in alpha or beta brainwave stage. When you're asleep, you're in kind of delta brainwave stage. And theta is right in the middle where you're not fully asleep, you're not fully awake. It's kind of an in-between state of consciousness. And now, recently, in the past year or so, there's actually been some more research that's coming out that's kind of disputing whether that's truly a theta state or if that's even a real thing. I don't want to get into that right now, but a lot of people do experience that when they go in the float tank, which is they get to this place where they lose their sense of self. They lose their sense of self-awareness. They lose their sense of time of when they are, where they are, who they are. And it's kind of just a thoughtless state. And that's why I say float tanks are kind of like training wheels for meditation because when they've done uh, brain scans on um, people who meditate all the time. So for example, like Buddhist monks, they find that they're able to achieve that kind of in-between state of consciousness. However, these are people that have taken years and years of practice doing it every day. 
right? And float tanks are kind of like a cheat code for that. That's why I say it's kind of like training wheels for that because these Buddhist monks or, or um, whatever kind of um, background they are, if they're very experienced med meditators, they have a lot of practice at basically blocking out all the distractions in their life yes. coming into their awareness, right? You're describing a similar thing where you're at the gym, you need to put in earplugs. Why are you putting in earplugs? Because you need to block out the noise, Yes. right? And a really expert meditator, let's say, would not have to need those earplugs because they'd be able to do it on command to block out the noise coming in from the rest of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so float tanks, the way for people who don't know, the idea is that we design our rooms to be as soundproof as possible. There is a light inside, which you can turn off so that it's complete darkness inside. And the water is heated to your skin temperature so that you don't feel like it's too hot or too cold. It's supposed to be so that your body acclimates to the temperature of the water. And so you won't feel the difference between your body, the water, and the air. And it's kind of like you're floating in space because you lose your sense of touch. So by taking away your sense of touch, your sense of sight, your sense of sound, we're taking away those distractions for you so that your brain has no choice but to enter that deeper state of meditation or relaxation because there's nothing else coming in for it to process. You know, like imagine trying to fall asleep, but I'm beside you poking you the entire <laughs> night, Yeah, right? It's yeah. going to be really hard for you to fall asleep because every time I poke you, your brain is going, hey, like somebody's poking me, yes. right? I would imagine that as you're meditating at the gym, you know, the noise coming in from other people in the gym, the noise coming from maybe a fan or the air conditioner, even if you have your eyes closed, you're probably seeing sunlight coming through the windows or the fluorescent lights coming through your eyelids, right? Even sitting on the mat, sitting on the flying down on the ground, your body is feeling the ground beneath you. And that's a source of input. And you might not think of it that way, but that's coming into your awareness and it's telling your brain to pay attention to that source of input. I'm going to cut. And so that's, Sorry, sorry here. I want to cut you off for just one second. Uh, I want to keep yeah. on topic here, but can you just describe yeah. to everyone, because I don't think we even went over this here, what is a float <laughs> Yes, yes. So I should have gotten into that first, but think of float tanks as a large bathtub filled with about 10 inches of water, just like a bathtub. And there's a thousand pounds of Epsom salt dissolved inside the tank. And so because there's so much salt, uh, it makes the environment very buoyant. So you can lie on your back on top of the water surface, and it's going to make you float without even trying. So you don't need to know how to swim. You don't need to, like, you know, be someone who floats easily. I don't care how big you are or how heavy you are. You're going to float once you lie on your back. And it's about as salty, probably even more salty than the Dead Sea. And so by taking away that sense of gravity acting upon your body, you are completely in a state of rest where none of your muscles or your joints have to do any work whatsoever to keep you afloat. And like I described previously, there's a light inside for most float tanks. Um, and 
they should also be designed in a way where the room is keeping out as much sound as possible. So that basically we're taking away all the external stimulation that's coming into your awareness. So again, we heat the water to your skin temperature so that eventually you won't feel your sense of touch. You turn off the light so that you don't have any sight and the rooms are soundproof as possible, as much as possible so that you hear very little. And so what that does is um, it takes away anything from coming into your sense of awareness. Because even if you're not paying attention to something directly, indirectly, those things will come into your awareness. I hope this makes sense. Yes, no, it does. Exactly. Right. I mean, just like you said, lying on the ground, you may not realize it, but your muscles are still in contact with the ground. Mm -hmm. So a bump or if there's a different temperature or anything like that or a breeze, then all of that would affect your senses. Yeah. And also the fact that you're lying on the ground, think about your muscles being compressed by the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So what makes a float tank so different is that you're fully supported and your body's in a completely neutral position once you start to lie still. But because it's a liquid surface, your body can move through the water. So imagine like if you're sitting down right now, you're the, any, any part of your body that's making contact with your chair, it's, that chair is pushing back and compressing your muscles in that way. And so that's a source of input that your body has to kind of react to. But when you're in the float tank, it's literally the, one of the only environments on Earth where your body is truly taking in zero stimulus from the outside world whatsoever. Wow. Now, you mentioned some of the other senses, right? The touch, um, the sight, the sound. What is the smell in there? Do you have different uh, smells for the Epsom salts? No, we don't, we don't like put any essential oils or anything like that. So uh, typically the float tank is pretty odorless. Like once you go in, um, you know, you might smell a little bit of, uh, of kind of like a sweet kind of um, fresh scent at, at the beginning. And that's just because of the filtration equipment we use. We use uh, ozone to help uh, filter the water and the air in the tanks. And ozone gives a very similar smell to, um, well, it is the same thing that happens when there's a thunderstorm yeah. and then you go outside right after a thunderstorm and there's kind of a weird, like fresh smell. Yeah. It smells kind of like after a big rainstorm uh, because that thunder, I think, I, I believe it does create that same kind of ozone-ish environment. Um, but after a few minutes, that kind of goes away. And then there's complete nothingness in terms of like, uh, you know, you're not drinking the water, so you're not going to taste anything either. <laughs> and it should be odorless. So all of your senses are shut off. And to expand on that point a little bit too, people don't think about this, but there's actually a lot more than just five senses in your body if we're talking about sight, sound, touch, smell. Um, there's also, for example, temperature regulation, right? So if it's really hot outside, you're going to start sweating. If it's really cold, you're going to start shivering, right? And what is that? That's your body um, trying to come to a, a homeostatic balance, meaning 
if it's really hot, your body's trying to cool down. And if it's really cold, your body's trying to warm up. We're trying to take away that function so that by having the water heated to your skin temperature, not only are you not feeling a sense of touch, your body also doesn't have to uh, adjust its own temperature, if that makes sense. And there's also the sense of proprioception. So we take that for granted as well. Like, let's say you're just going for a walk, putting one foot in front of the other, your body's actually doing a lot of internal calculations as to, you know, where should your foot go to maintain your balance? Um, You know, there's this idea of equilibrium um, inside your brain. Yes. And so by being in a float tank, you're also taking away your body's um, kind of unconscious habit of keeping track of where you are uh, spatially and being aware of like, okay, am I balanced if I put my foot over here when I'm walking, right? If you look at babies, they have a hard time walking, right? Crawling, walking, these are things they have to get used to. It takes a lot of mental capacity for them to do that because it's their first time doing it. But obviously, once they become, you know, uh, a little bit older, those functions of walking and crawling, they become totally instinctual and natural. But that doesn't mean it doesn't use up uh, resources in your mind and your body to make those things happen. And so there's tons of other senses, if you want to call it that, that are in your body that a float tank takes away from your brain from having to process. Mm. Now, you also mentioned the the perception of time and how it kind of feels like it's altered while you're in that the the tank, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For that, so sorry, sorry. And for that first time, when you when you describe it, it took about forty five minutes for you to get in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like first off, how did you know it was forty five minutes? Um, did you have a? Is there a timer in there, or, or and what did the last fifteen minutes feel like? the first time compared to what it feels like for you now? Uh, I don't know if it was exactly 45 minutes. That's just my estimate. Okay, yes. So most people, their first time, and it, it, it again, it ranges from person to person, but some people are able to get into that very deep state of relaxation quite easily, you know, especially if you meditate all the time, if you do a lot of activities that... Uh, are activating your what's called parasympathetic nervous system. That is your relaxation response. So a lot of people who do yoga, who meditate, who do kind of um, any kind of like uh, Zen activity, let's call it. Yeah. Those people have an easier time. It might take them only 10, 15 minutes to get in a float tank their first time. Um, but myself, I was a very kind of like, you know, my mind's racing all the time. It was, I was on the go all the time. So it took me a lot longer to get to that deeper relaxation state. And you can think of it as kind of like a muscle, right? Like if you don't work out at all, when you go to the gym, you're going to have a hard time keeping up, you know, with your cardio, with your strength and all that sort of thing. But if you're already in shape, it's a lot easier uh, easier for you to get through a workout. Yeah. So same thing with your nervous system. We have what's called our, you've probably heard of this before, but your fight or flight system, right? 
Yes. That's your sympathetic nervous system. This is the thing that keeps us alert, that keeps us awake. So when you're driving a car, when you're crossing the road and looking both ways, that's your sympathetic nervous system on uh, like full activation because it's watching out for threats. It's being aware of where you are every second, making sure that you're not in danger, right? Uh, use that for when you're at work, when you're training in the gym, you know, it needs to keep you sharp and on your toes, right? But if you stay in that all the time, that's what causes chronic stress. That's what causes exhaustion and fatigue and leads to all these other problems that we see today with like burnout and depression and, you know, um, cardiovascular risks when it's associated to stress and strokes and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so the opposite of your fight or flight system is your rest and digest system, what's called your parasympathetic nervous system. And we need that for when we're falling asleep at night. You know, that's the thing that helps you fall asleep to stay asleep. It's what helps you unwind after a long day. It's what helps you kind of like, um, you know, be able to sit on a beach and relax. And if you don't know how to turn that part of your nervous system on, well, you're going to be living in a constant state of stress and anxiety. Yes. And I think today in the modern world with constant stimulation through things like our phone, that's causing us to chronically live in a state of um, a fight or flight mode. And so float tanks to me are kind of a way to uh, train your rest and digest mode to come out more often. Wow. What kind of um, things do you think would also stimulate uh, the same response as a float tank? And is there anything that would be comparable to it? Absolutely. So meditation, right? Mm -hmm. That I would say is a way to train your parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, a light walk or jog, you know, as long as it's not too strenuous, that could also put you in a meditative uh, state or a parasympathetic state. Um, reading a book leisurely, um, doing anything that you can consider relaxing or uh, is, is mindful and doesn't require too much attention and focus, these things are going to help you elicit a relaxation response. So, you know, some nice light yin yoga might help you with that as well. But it's a fine line between what you're doing uh, if, it, if it causes you to be in a state of fight or flight or a state of rest and digest, right? Um, playing music could also be a relaxing thing or listening to music, listening to an audiobook. These things could elicit a parasympathetic response. Uh, being in a dark room, that could also help as well. Um, and that's why you hear people say, you know, if you're trying to go to bed at night, make sure your room is a little bit darker, is a little bit cooler, because that's all eliciting that parasympathetic response. Um, that's why a lot of us, if we have trouble sleeping, normally you'll find yourself like being really hot at night and we want to cool ourselves down because that's your body's natural response to 
you know, shutting down is to lower your core body temperature. And so floating is just another tool, right? Like if you want to exercise, for example, you could go for a run, you could go rock climbing, you could do martial arts, uh, you could lift weights, right? And so float tanks to me is kind of like strength training for your uh, relaxation response. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now, what do you need to bring in order to use one of your tanks here? So I'm going to speak for my own float center. I don't want to speak for every other float center out there, but most float centers that I've been to, uh, you don't need to bring anything at all. You know, we provide you towels. Um, typically, you go in without wearing a bathing suit because it's your own private room. We give you shampoo and body wash and all that kind of stuff for before and after your float. Um, and normally float centers also have a vanity area if you need to like blow dry your hair or anything like that afterwards. And uh, yeah, so you don't really need to bring anything. You could just walk in and if you're willing to try it out, you know, and we have a free tank, we'll get you in. Um, because, you know, the whole idea is that if, if you're wearing a bathing suit, let's say, for example, you might actually feel that bathing suit while you're in there. Yeah. And that's going to take away from your sense of touch or sorry, it's going to add to your sense of touch. And we're trying to take that away. And people might think like, well, like that's such a small thing to worry about. And it's like, well, when you're in that tank environment, everything else in your body becomes that much more sensitive. So like a lot of people report feeling like, oh, wow, I not only can like hear my heartbeat in there, I can actually like feel my heartbeat throughout the rest of my body and this is actually what's called interoception it's a phenomenon where you become hyper aware of every little thing that's going on in your body you know you start to notice like all the little details about your breath how you're breathing and how much your body rises as you breathe you might notice all these little like clicks or little like cracks in your joints uh, you might notice that as you're laying in the tank, that one arm drifts out a little bit further from your body than your other arm. And it's kind of signaling to you like, oh, maybe my body is like, maybe I've got an injury. Maybe I'm not totally symmetrical. Maybe there's an imbalance in my body somewhere. People notice all sorts of things about themselves that you would never pay attention to in your everyday life. Because guess what? You got too much other stuff to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, it just, it just helps people uh, become a lot more hyper aware, not only of the things that are going on in their mind, but also what's going on in their body. Do people get um, like hallucinogenic and, and do they get, do they see things like, uh, do they see mirage <laughs> or anything like that? Yeah. So uh, if people have seen, there's an old Simpsons episode where Homer and Lisa go in a float tank and they both start seeing things, right? They start to see colors and almost like hallucinogenic uh, visions. Yeah. And I, in my experience, it can happen, but I don't want to say that that's a normal thing. Mm. You know, if you listen to Joe Rogan talk about it, he'll say like, oh, I saw like colors and, you know, I had dreams about this and that and I had visions and it's like, 
Yes, it does happen. But keep in mind that Joe Rogan is someone that owns a float tank in his house and he can do it all the time. Mm -hmm. So I would say that it can happen, but it's not something you should expect, especially your first time. And floating is a practice, just like anything else in life. Um, you said you do martial arts yourself? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you train? Do you train like jujitsu or something? Yeah, I, I, I do uh, lots of MMA. So I do jujitsu, wrestling, Muay Thai, boxing. Um, I started okay. Be like, yeah. Okay, very cool. So I do a lot of martial arts myself. I used to do karate and now I'm full-time in uh, jujitsu as well. Um, but... It's, you have to think of it like that. Every float is going to be a little bit different. Just like every time you spar somebody, even if you're sparring the same person, yeah. it's always going to be a little bit different. No, no role, no spar is exactly the same as the last one you had, right? So every float is kind of the same thing. Every float's just a little bit different. You know, you might zone out completely the whole time. Uh, other times you might see something. You know, I have had friends who floated, and they say like, oh, I literally felt like I woke up and I was in a different country. Wow. Or I was, I, I was in my home country. I had a friend who's from uh, India originally. And he said he thought he had a vision or a dream that he woke up from the float tank while he was still inside. And that when he walked out, he was in his home country again. Wow. And it wasn't until the end of the float that he woke up a second time. He's like, whoa. I just like woke up again from this float. Um, and so there are uh, stories of that kind of psychedelic, almost hallucinogenic experience, but uh, it, it is something that, hey, maybe it happens on your 10th time that you float, you know, um, just like how you're not going to get a submission on someone every time you roll uh, in, a, in a match of jujitsu, right? Sometimes you get one, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're the one who gets submitted, right? Uh, so you kind of have to keep an open mind as to what to expect from each float that you do. Is there anything like a bad float session where maybe, you know, you're, you're seeing or hearing or anything along those lines, things that you don't want to have happen? Um, I know before, speaking about Joe Rogan, when he speaks about DMT and some of the other psychedelics, you know, those are things that uh, you need but don't want. Does that happen with floating at all? Absolutely. So I would say that there's no such thing as a bad float because there's no wrong way to float, in my opinion. I would say that there are definitely people who have, uh, quote unquote, struggled their first time in a float, as in they were not able to shut off their mind or they were, they had a lot of anxiety throughout the float or they had a lot of internal thoughts that they were fighting. And although that might be an uncomfortable or unpleasant experience, I would say that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the float tank is simply reflecting back to you what's going on with you. And so if you're feeling a lot of pain psychologically or physically even, that's not the float tank causing that pain to you. It's just something that's within you that you weren't even aware of until the quiet space of the tank made that very loud to you, if that makes sense. So just like how in martial arts, you know, if you're a white belt, 
and you want to start uh, sparring with someone who's a black belt, you're going to be put in some pretty uncomfortable positions, right? Yes. But it's also a learning experience as to here are the things you need to work on. Here are the things that, uh, you know, you're not so strong at, right? And so floating is kind of the same thing. And, and along the lines of psychedelics, you know, uh, you mentioned Joe Rogan doing DMT and, you know, sometimes very unpleasant experiences. It could happen in a float tank. And if there's a lot of internal struggle going on inside you, uh, depending on what's going on in your life, those things could come up in that float and it might be very unpleasant. But if you're willing to kind of confront those things, we've seen at my float center, a lot of people come out, um, you know, having had a lot of time to process those things. And I've seen some, you know, very intimate uh, experiences where people come out and, you know, they might be in tears because something that has been bothering them for a long time came up during the float. And that was the first time they actually had to confront those things full on without being able to reach for their phone to distract themselves with an Instagram post, you know, Um, or, or, oh, you know, there's this really uncomfortable thing I don't want to think about. Let me go watch some TV. Let me go do this other thing and distract myself. When you're in the tank, you can't escape yourself. Yeah. So you kind of are, you know, forced into those positions. Now, I also want to mention right now that you're never locked inside the tank. You can always get out anytime you need to. But even if you get out early, I would say that that's just you. um, It's just you revealing to yourself that, hey, maybe I'm not ready to confront those things. Or maybe I'm realizing that this is something that um, I need to deal with in another way in my life right now. Um, And float tanks are simply just a reflection of what's going on inside you at the moment. Wow. Wow. That sounds, uh, it sounds incredible and it sounds like it might be a a journey. How often would you recommend for somebody to float? And do you offer like a membership for, for, I guess, pricing discounts or anything along those lines? Yes. So we do offer memberships. We offer packages. um, And so our membership is a monthly membership but it does give you an option to float more often than once a month at a discounted rate if you want. And when it comes to how often you should float, I usually don't give people any kind of prescription because that's kind of like asking, well, how often should I work out? It's like, well, if you're a professional athlete, you should probably be working out a lot more often compared to someone who isn't a professional athlete. So in that same context, you know, We have people who um, maybe they were in a traumatic injury or accident of some sort. Okay, that person might need an intensive uh, kind of almost boot camp of floating like several times a week or once a week for several weeks, right? And maybe after that point, once they have a little bit more of a grip on that, okay, maybe they don't need to float as often. Maybe once every two weeks is enough. Maybe once a month is enough. And some people, they're like a once a year, you know, they're like a, I just float on my birthday as a way to kind of reflect on my year. Right. And that's totally fine too. 
Um, and we also have MMA fighters. You know, we sponsor one MMA fighter, uh, Sari City, who is a uh, uh, champion for uh, BFL as well as uh, BTC fight promotions. Yeah. And he doesn't have a regular schedule of floating, but he does float a lot when he's ramping up for a fight. So if I know that he has a fight coming up, uh, like probably six weeks to eight weeks before the fight, he's going to be coming in a lot more often. Yes. And then after his flight, after his fight, I might not see him for a couple months, you know? Mm -hmm. So some people might float because they have a specific event that they're preparing for as well. So that's why I kind of say, it's really hard for me to give you a prescription of how often you should float if I don't know anything about you. Is there any type of consultation that you do with somebody prior? So at the moment, we don't have anything official, but I will say we are working on something like that. So we are building out a program right now that is designed to be a much more um, personal kind of assessment, let's say, of your situation and where you're at. And we are building out a program for people to have a lot more of a one-on-one -on -one relationship with us so that we can actually get you the results based on the issues or problems that you're facing right now. So people come in for all sorts of different reasons. They might come in for, you know, joint pain or back pain. Uh, they might come in for physical reasons like muscle soreness. Uh, maybe they had a concussion. Maybe they just had surgery. And on the flip side, we have a lot of people as well who come in because they suffer from PTSD, they suffer from anxiety, um, they suffer from depression or all sorts of different mental health issues. And floating is kind of a way that helps them, uh, you know, reset their hormones, uh, hormonal balance. They reset, you know, the, the chemicals that are in their brains in terms of like dopamine, dopamine and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, cortisol, which is your stress hormone. And there's a lot of research out there that uh, floating has shown to help with those things of bringing your body back to a state of balance. Um, so we are building out a program right now to help people with very specific problems. Um, and that should be rolling out later this uh, summer. But I don't want to give too many details away on that because we are still building that out currently. For sure. Um, just kind of curious, I know you mentioned some of, some of the other issues here, even physical and mental. Um, do you like do do you bill to benefits? Is uh, are most benefits covering floating? So right now the industry is kind of in a gray area. Um, people can get it covered, but we don't do any direct billing, and we can't make any guarantees on whether floating is covered for you. So if anyone's interested in that. I would say to check with your provider, your employer, or wherever you're getting your benefits from and check to see if floating is covered because some people get it covered under massage therapy. Some people get it covered under uh, different umbrellas like hydrotherapy and others might get just a general health and wellness spending account and floating might fall under that as well. And we can provide all sorts of receipts and info about, you know, um, how many floats you have and your bookings and how much you pay for them and all that kind of information. Uh, anytime someone has gotten it covered and they needed that info for their employer, we're able to provide that for you to get reimbursed.
Mm, okay. I do have a couple more questions. I know we're getting tight on time here. It seems to just fly away when uh, when the conversation's good, right? So Yeah. Can you float with another person or is it solely individual? So there are float tanks out there that do um, that do a, I guess you would call it a couple's float where two people can be in at the same time. However, we don't offer that at my center. Our tanks are all just for single person use only, although we have multiple tanks. So if you wanted to come with a friend, you can, you just be floating in separate tanks. And my own personal belief is that I, I'm not so in line with the couple's float just because the whole idea is to, again, take away all your senses. And if you're in there with somebody else, to me, that's kind of like a source of distraction. Um, now, other float centers might disagree with me, but that's just my own personal stance on it. Of course. And you also mentioned that, uh, you know, you're in there with your mind. Now, a question that popped up when you said that I had to write it down here is, is what if you don't want to be in your own mind? You know, maybe you get anxious or you, you do have PTSD or depression or anything along those lines. And, and maybe those thoughts might be brought up. Is there anything that, that you'd be able to do to kind of negate those? So I would say there are some uh, exercises or practices you can do in the tank to help with that. So for example, you could do a breathwork exercise while you're in the tank to help take your mind off of those uh, thoughts and instead focus them on your breath. You could do a kind of um, uh, yoga nidra practice where you do a body scan. So in yoga nidra, they'll tell you like, okay, relax your fingers, relax your wrist, relax your forearm, relax your cheek muscles, relax, you know, your eyebrows and all these little parts of your body. And by focusing on each individual part of your body and consciously making yourself relax, that's another form of like meditation in the sense of like taking your mind off of other things and bringing it to a very specific focus. So that can help people with anxiety and, and thoughts of, um, you know, not wanting to be alone with themselves. But on the other side of that, I would also say, you know, don't you want to be able to like yourself and your own thoughts? (laughs) You know, it's kind of like when people say, um, I, I, well, I can relate to this because I used to be very like overweight and out of shape uh, when I was younger. And I had a lot of anxiety about going to the gym because I had a lot of fears about, oh, what if people see me and they laugh at me and, you know, they think less of me or whatever, those kinds of thoughts, right? I would say it's very similar. And I would say to that, well, would you rather deal with the pain of being overweight or would you rather deal with the pain of possibly being laughed at in the gym which by the way that's never happened to me right no one pays attention everyone's doing their own thing so that's not even like a concern in my opinion um but say the same thing you know oh you don't want to be with your own thoughts you're afraid of your own thoughts well don't you think that's something you'd want to work on you know um and we've had tons of people like that come in the float center and yes they might have a harder time starting out at first, but I would say that it's not something you can't get better at. You know, people have this idea that, you know, I'm born a certain way. 
I am just someone who can't relax. I'm just someone who's a type A personality and I'm always on the go and my mind's always racing. I'm always like on to the next thing. I could never do something like meditation or floating. I would argue that's like saying, oh, I'm not a genetic freak like that Olympic athlete over there. I could never play sports or be in the Olympics. And I'm not asking you to become a Buddhist monk. You know, I'm not asking just in the same way. I'm not asking you to become an Olympic athlete. I don't care that your genetics are better or worse than this other person. What I do care about is no matter your starting point, you can improve from where you're at now. So mm -hmm. even if you are right, even if you are a type A personality and you're always on the go and, you know, you couldn't reach the same potential of, of deep mindfulness that, you know, a Buddhist monk could. That doesn't mean that you can't improve from where you currently are at. Yes. Yeah. Be the best version of yourself possible. Right. Don't limit yourself to your genetics in terms of like, oh, well, I could never do that thing because I wasn't born that way. Again, I'm not asking you to be the best in the world. I'm just wanting to ask if it's something you want to improve on. Don't you think that you could practice getting better at it? So float tanks to me is kind of like a training wheel. Uh, it is training wheels for your mind, for that relaxation response, for mindfulness and introspectiveness. And so I would say that to anyone who's hesitant about wanting to float, about trying to you know, get into this kind of lifestyle of being a little bit more uh, introspective and, and having some self-reflection time, I would say, is that something you want? You know, if it's not something you want, okay, fair enough. That's up to you, right? Um, but if it is something you're you're wanting and you're just afraid of, I would say just like jujitsu, just like uh, you know, going to the gym. If it's something you want to do, you're gonna have to get through a little bit of discomfort, and you're going to improve if you put the time in. I love that so much. Let's uh, let's talk quickly. Uh about some of the events you have coming up. I see you run different events for the different, I don't know, you want to call it holidays or, or dates. Like, for example, you got Mother's Day coming up, you have Valentine's Day. What events do you have coming up and what events do you have planned for the future? Um, so right now we have our Mother's Day event coming up and it's meant for moms and daughters to attend. Um, and we're pairing a float session with a sound healer that I'm good friends with. Her name's Margot Free, and she plays these beautiful singing bowls as well as a bunch of other native uh, instruments like wind flute and chimes. And she is also well-versed in myofascial release. And so we're kind of doing an event where uh, moms get to take some time off to uh, focus on themselves and basically practice some self-care stuff, you know, with floating, with a sound bath, with learning myofascial release and a few other activities as well, because, you know, moms put out a lot for their families um, yeah. in terms of their time and energy. And so we wanted to put on an event where they can kind of reprioritize themselves instead of the family for once. Um, and yeah, we've had other events in the past, but uh, at the moment, that's all we've got going on for now. We might have other ones throughout the summer and the fall, but uh, at this moment, we have nothing else planned. Perfect. Let's talk a little bit about the goals that you have. I mean, do you have multiple studios? Is that something you'd want? Do you want to bring in different other self-care 
I guess, options. Maybe it's a Cairo chamber. Maybe it's uh, a breath work exercise clinic, anything like that. What do you have goals for the future? So we only have one center in downtown Burlington, uh, but definitely, you know, opening a second location or franchising, that's something uh, myself and my business partner have been thinking about. Um, not sure if we're actually going to do that later down the road. You know, plans always change. Um, but right now we are focused on kind of building out a more clinical approach uh, with our program that we want to launch later this year um, to floating. And I'm hoping to actually turn that into something that we can offer to the rest of the float industry, because I think that's something that's lacking in the float industry is this idea of a more almost kind of like a personal training touch yes. to the float industry that doesn't exist right now. And so I'm actually thinking about uh, building this out for myself and my center and then whatever success I see with it, I want to continue refining it, improving on it, and then hopefully sharing that with the rest of the float industry and um, making my mark on the industry that way, instead of just opening up another second location. Because I think uh, what I'm building right now could be a lot more scalable and could impact a lot more people around the world. Uh, than simply opening a second physical location. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. But hey, you know, business is a very volatile thing and, and plans can change all the time. But that's kind of kind of where I'm at right now. Yes. I know we're tight on time here. I do have three closing questions. But before I get to those, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you think I should ask you or any other comments that you have about floating in your center? Um. No, I think I think you were pretty thorough about uh, you know, you know, prying into the float industry and what it's all about and um, and and why people do it. But uh, yeah, I, I think we're good there. Awesome. Well, let's move into let's move into these closing questions here. First question: What three qualities do you possess that make you successful? And I'm going to flip that. I'm going to add to it. What three qualities do you think the business has as well as you that makes the business successful? So three qualities that make me successful. Um, I would say one is my, my philosophy on to never give up. That's something that's been instilled in me since my childhood uh, doing karate. Um, is that no matter how tough things get, no matter how, you know, dark things might seem in your life, if you just keep pushing forward, a brighter day will come. Yeah. You just have to never give up. That's one of the things I think I um, is probably the strongest quality in myself that has, you know, led me to where I am today. Um, I would say another quality is my never-ending curiosity to continue learning so even after i've finished my you know university degree and all that kind of stuff i think a lot of people when they reach adulthood they feel like they don't need to learn anymore you know they're done with reading books they're done with acquiring new skills and i think my insatiable curiosity to continue learning is also a part of my success. And it doesn't even have to be related to your career. You know, when it comes to, you know, my passions in life, whether it's music or, or martial arts, 
I love continuing to learn the craft of those things and improving at those things. And I think that carries over into business in terms of how can we always improve? How can we always think about things a little bit differently and do things a little bit differently? So that's the second quality. Um, and the third quality, um, I would say is, is always being ready to challenge any kind of status quo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just because this is the way something's always been done doesn't mean you have to do it that way. And whether that's the path in your life that you want to take, you know, like, oh, I want to, I want to open this business. I want to get into this field or whatever. You might look at other people for inspiration in terms of like, okay, this is how this person reached success. And yes, success does leave clues. And I'm not saying to disregard other people's paths totally, but I am saying everybody's different. And so when you inevitably encounter obstacles or situations that were different for, let's say, uh, your parents than it was for you, you need to have the courage to say no even though I'm faced with a new thing that no one else has encountered before, you've got to have the courage to figure out your own path around that and not look to anyone else's uh, method of doing it. And you're going to make mistakes, but that's part of it. You just have to be creative and find new ways around that. Um, because I mean, Hey, we're living in the best time in human history in terms of having access to information with Google and YouTube, you know, you can learn anything you want. Yeah. So um, there's no excuse for anyone to say, well, this person had it easier than me or this person, you know, had these circumstances. I don't care. There's going to be a way for you to figure it out. And it's on you to blaze your own trail in that way. Beautiful. If you could go back in time, what is something that you would tell your younger self? Hmm. Know that everything is always happening exactly as it should, exactly as it when it, exactly as when it should be happening. So even though there are times that seem really difficult in your life, or you made a huge mistake, or you feel really ashamed about something, you should always carry the belief that that was supposed to happen. It was inevitable that, that that thing was supposed to happen. That event was supposed to happen and that it's all part of um, your growth and your process. You know, I do quickly want to share the story. It's an old Chinese story of a farmer. Uh, if you could give me a couple minutes here. And basically it's a farmer who has a bunch of horses and one day the horses run off and all the neighbors come to him and say, well, isn't that unfortunate? And the farmer goes, maybe the next day, all the horses come back and they bring with them extra wild horses. Yes. And all the neighbors say, well, aren't you lucky? And the farmer goes, maybe. <laughs> so then the farmer's son tames the wild horses, but in the process, he gets knocked off. And he injures his leg. He breaks his leg. 
And the uh, neighbors go, well, isn't that unfortunate? And the farmer goes, maybe. Then the next day, conscription officers come by to draft his son for the war. But the officers say, you know what? Your son's got a broken leg. He's injured. We can't draft him in the war. Um, and the neighbors come by again and say, well, isn't that lucky? Hmm. And the farmer goes, maybe. And so the point of that story is you never know the consequences of your fortune or misfortune in life until much later. So it's important that you treat every single thing in your life, whether you perceive it as good or bad, to know that that's just your perception in that moment and that you never know what may come of that quote unquote good or bad thing later in life. Yeah, I've heard that story before. I love that story. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that has, if I could tell my younger self that, I would have saved myself a lot of, um, let's say, discomfort and anxiety in my life from knowing where my life is going to go. <laughs> what is something you do every day that you are proud of? That every morning when I wake up, no matter what, no matter how I'm feeling, I tell myself today is going to be a great day. Wow. I'm going to add an extra one here for you because I, I think it's, it's going to be an incredible answer, just like the other ones. If you had a chance, what is something that you'd like to tell everyone that you meet? What is something I would like to tell everyone that I meet? Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that for a second. That's a good question. <laughs> um. I would say I would say that I think I would just say the same thing about uh, what I would tell my younger self. Yes. Which is that everything is always happening as it should, whether or not you perceive it to be that way, because your perspective is kind of your reality. Mm -hmm. And so it's always under your control there is no situation that at the end of the day the ultimate power of how you perceive a situation is within you so i guess to expand on that a little bit you know sometimes we feel helpless sometimes we feel powerless because of external circumstances in the world but the one thing that no one can ever take away from you is that you always have the option to choose how you see that situation. Yes. Yes. Love that so much. <laughs> Before we kick it off and you, you plug uh, any social medias and stuff, do you have any questions for me? Yeah. What got you into podcasting? <laughs> yeah, that's a common question. So I'll sum it up. <laughs> um, basically, Way, way, way back in the day, I was, I don't know, maybe grade eight or grade nine. I wanted to start a podcast. I tried it out. Uh, it failed. And then when um, the pandemic first happened, I was managing a business at the time. 
and I lost my job on the side. So the only thing I was doing at the time was managing this business. And I was listening to lots of marketing podcasts to learn how to grow the business. And one thing that they said was try and figure out a way to incorporate podcasts with marketing. And so initially I thought that I was going to use the podcast to promote the business which I was managing. And when I kind of opened my eyes and saw a broader spectrum, I realized a lot of my friends and people in my life during the pandemic were losing their own businesses. So um, I decided to kind of use the platform, uh, which I initially only made for, you know, my friends and people around me to try and help promote their business and, and, you know, their music careers, their anything, right. They're fighting their, their, their brands, their lifestyle, et cetera. And it's grown into this great, wonderful community now. So it's, it's something that uh, I'm really proud of and I'm happy that I was able to expand and just kind of ride the, the train in which it was going and switch paths when I needed to. Amazing. Um, if it's okay, I have one more question for you just because I know that might have been a very generic question. Um, when it comes to martial arts, jiu-jitsu, MMA, um, what have you found is the biggest transfer in terms of what you learned in martial arts to apply to the rest of your life? You quit now, you'll quit anything, right? So like you mentioned with the white belt going against a higher belt, I think you mentioned black, but there was one particular time that that I can remember I was rolling with somebody, in this case it was a black belt, and he was purposely putting me in these terrible and gruesome positions that I, I immediately after, I think I threw up and I felt, you know, I'm never doing this again. I feel like I haven't gotten better at that time. I've kind of plateaued. And I had uh, another black belt professor who I was close with, and he was watching this role very intently from the bench. And and he could tell I was, I was very mentally frustrated. And he said that, you know, if you quit now, you'll quit anything that when it gets tough. And wow. those words kind of always stuck with me. And and I, you know, I made sure that even if it's only one more session I go to, then I didn't quit at that moment. I quit after, and that's all it took was, you know, uh, there's a, there's a book by Ed Milet, it's the power of one more, and that's all it was is just get myself to that next session, and then from there get myself to the next session, and you slowly see that progression of, I didn't quit now, and if I'm not gonna quit, that toughest part in terms of, of that, you know, my current martialist journey as well, um, then I know that when things in life get tough, I know I can just do one more. And one more will just bring to the next one, to the next one until I don't want to quit anymore, right? Amazing. Persistence. Never yeah. giving up. Exactly. Just like you said, right? I love it. Now is your time. Plug your social medias. Plug where we can find the studio. Um, plug anything that you want. Social media, shout-outs, anything right now. Websites, go ahead. Yeah, so you can find us at uh, gofloatstudios.com. That's, uh, we're located in downtown Burlington, GoFloat Studios. Um, and we're open pretty much seven days a week. Our Instagram is gofloat.burlington. Um, and you can find everything there as well. Um, 
And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. This has been an awesome conversation. Thank you for letting me share uh, floating with people and sharing my insights on, you know, how everything works and why I think it's such an important thing. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best with the podcast. And uh, hey, we should uh, train some uh, jujitsu sometime. That's for sure. I'm going to have to get in for a float session. So I'm sure I'll meet you at some point. (laughs) sounds good thanks dylan thanks a lot enjoy your day you too bye see ya also guys please don't forget subscribe on apple on spotify anywhere you guys listen to your podcast make sure you guys get the updates on more episodes as well facebook page instagram and now also guys super happy Finally got around on the bandwagon. TikTok. Yes. All those will be in the description below as well.